0: Now it is 2011, Larry Fadette is at home in California in the USA, and he's watching a TV show by the televangelist Todd Kuntz called Financial Freedom. Uh, Todd Kuntz looks directly into the camera and says, don't delay, don't delay. I know the laws that govern insurance, stocks bonds, and all that is involved with Wall Street. God has called me as a financial deliverer. If you plant a seed, a $273 seed, the amount you sow will be multiplied to you. This is an investment in your faith and your future. Do not delay. (sighs) Larry is watching this and is captivated. Todd is promising quick returns. Massive returns. He looks like a results man. Larry needs results fast. Because you see, Larry is going through a very tough time in his life. Larry's daughter is very sick. Uh, She's living in Florida at this time, but very sick. Larry's own business, construction business, is uh, struggling. And to make matters worse, both his van and his car have just broken down. It's a terrible week for Larry as he's watching this program. So after the program, he goes to the junkyard. They offer him $600 for the van. It's the only money he's got on him, so he decides to send the whole lot to Todd Kunz, And then he works for his miracle to come. As it turns out, the $600 gift is not the first seed Larry has planted In the last few years, actually, he remembers that he has donated over $20,000 to Todd Kuntz, Kenneth Copeland, Grefler Doyle, and many other prosperity teachers. So now, with that investment in these ministries and with his life now at rock bottom, he's hoping that all the seeds that he has planted will now come to flourish for him at this very difficult moment. That's 2011. We fast forward to 2013. Two years later, nothing has come through. His daughter's health has reached critical now in Florida. So Larry needs to get to Florida, and what he does is he writes to, he has no else to turn. So he decides to write to various ministries that he has contributed to, about five, six of them. And he asks them for financial help. He's thinking to himself, we have been faithful to these ministries. We have sown the seed. They call us our partners, our friends, and our family members. They will surely now help us. And in the letter that Larry writes, he explains to them the situation. He says, my daughter desperately needs help. She's dying. And I have nowhere else to turn except you guys who we have given money to. But one by one, all the ministries refuse to help. They give many excuses. They say, look, our mandate doesn't allow us to do this. Another says, well, if we give you money, uh, then we have to give everyone money. They do nothing. It is now summer 2014. Larry and his wife have exhausted all their funds. They have sold all their belongings. And they have now ended up homeless. On top of all of this, they are feeling guilty for having failed to provide help for their daughter, and they feel hurt by so-called Christian ministries. That's the story of Larry, right? And the story of Larry, as you think about it, reminds us sometimes in our battle with suffering, we can become very vulnerable to spiritual deception by the evil one. You see, all of us want life to go well for us, don't we? And as we chase the good life, we may start to gravitate towards teaching and teachers that take away, that takes us away from the real Jesus. We desperately need things in our lives, financial success, we want our careers to go well, we want our kids to do well. And there is a danger there that in pursuing these things we may find ourselves actually pursuing very vulnerable to spiritual deception at the end of false teachers, and false teaching in general. We will move away from the real Jesus. Last Sunday, we started looking at Mark 13, verse 14 to verse 23, as we've been working through Mark. We noted that before Jesus returns in glory, the world, uh, the world will see the dawn of Antichrist. We looked at verse 14 there. And we, know, we spent 50 minutes, I think, looking at that verse, and I'm not going to repeat what I said, but we noted particularly that that verse really is both looking forward to AD 70, but looking beyond AD 70, uh, speaking of this man of sin, the Antichrist, who will be possessed and controlled by Satan. The man Paul talks about in Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. And Jesus is saying in verse 14 that this man will desecrate the church of God, the temple of God, the church. Now, we don't know when the Antichrist will appear. But when it does, we noted last week that there will be two things that, will, that the world will see. First, there will be great suffering. We'll enter a great tribulation. And verse 14 to verse 20 is about that. And we looked at that last Sunday evening. The second thing is that we're gonna see great spiritual deception. If you like, the great tribulation will lead to a climate in which people will look for answers and many will be spiritually deceived. And we see that in verse 21 to verse 23. Let me just read that for you now because we are looking at these verses this morning. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is. Do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise, and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Jesus says. We we can summarize the truth of these verses in one sentence, isn't it? And it is this: the dawn of the antichrist will lead to spiritual deception on the scale that the world. And the church of God has never experienced before. The dawn of the Antichrist will bring, as I've said there in just one point we're looking at this morning, will bring great spiritual delusion or deception. Now, a few years ago, I read a story in the Daily Mail, right, that children eat green toxic laundry capsules, right, because they mistake them for sweets. Those green things, they look like sweets, so children eat those things. And apparently, one child every day does this. One child every day. And this leaves many children with internal burns, temporary blindness, and even some children have gone into a coma. You see, the children are attracted to the bright colors of those liquid capsules. So make sure next time you buy the right one. They are attracted to those things. Uh, but sadly, those things they are attracted to contain toxic, harmful chemicals, as we know. Thankfully, most parents are very quick to act when the toddler does that, and no one has yet died from that. But one child every day is affected by that. And indeed, the cases actually are increasing every year. Well, Jesus in these verses, in verse 21 to verse 23, is warning all of his children that something is coming in the future that will look sweet on the outside, but will poison you inside Jesus is saying the suffering of the tribulation will create a spiritual hunger. People will become desperate for supernatural signs and wonders. They'll become desperate to escape the the terror that will be going on in that world at the time. There will be many people with fake news about Jesus. They'll be saying, Jesus has appeared in Mexico, he's out there in Nigeria, go over to India, here is a YouTube click. You've got to be there at this conference because Jesus is going to show up. That's what he says in verse 21. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. Oh, look, there he is. Do not believe it. It's not just that there will be many people pointing us to some version of Jesus in some part of the world. There will be many people falsely claiming to be Jesus himself. Look at verse 22. For false Christs and false prophets will arise, guaranteed, False Christ and false prophets will arise. There will be people who will try and claim they're Jesus. And they will seek to try and make us abandon the real Jesus of the Bible. Some will simply craft alternative versions of Jesus, nuances on what is in the Bible. They will say, Don't believe this Jesus. I have a better Jesus for you in this passage of Scripture. There's this part of the Bible that you haven't read very well. This is what Jesus really is about. Forget what you think, what you've been taught in the church. So there will be these many counterfeit versions, perhaps physical people that will claim to be Jesus, or people just with theological systems offering a version of Jesus that's not biblical. Like we know today with the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons and the like. Is in addition to these counterfeit versions of Jesus, there will also be many claiming to be appointed by God to speak for God as His prophets. Look at this twenty-two. For false Christ and false prophets will arise. So we imagine there will be many people parading themselves with titles of prophet, so and so, prophet this and that. And of course, we know that they are no longer prophets today because the Bible declares that in Hebrews. Chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. It makes it clear that long ago God spoke to our our forefathers, as it were. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. The Son is the heir of all things, and through Him He created the world. So the age of the prophets of Isaiah, of Ezekiel, has come to an end because Jesus is the final prophet. He now enters this world as prophet, priest, and king. So we don't expect any more priests, but we are part of his priesthood, but there are no high priests, as it were. Because Jesus is the final priest. There are no more prophets because Jesus is the prophet. There are no more kings. God isn't raising up any kingdoms with kings because Jesus is the final king. So, but we will have in the end days, and indeed we have it now, people who claim such. Others will Simply claim they have a direct outline to God with special revelations. They will say, I have a word of knowledge for you. Or they will say they have had a vision of hell. They have a vision of of some secret knowledge of some sort that God has given them. And of course, there will be false prophets, not in the sense of special revelation. There will be false prophets in the biblical sense of false teachers. Because you see, a part of prophecy is not just telling the future. Prophecy is preaching, is prophesying. So we can say that when Jesus says there will be false prophets, it simply means also that there will be false teachers who will arise. False teachers who will be telling you, will be preaching peace and peace, but there is no peace. They will be proclaiming prosperity, but there will be no prosperity. They will proclaim what the world wants to hear, pandering to the flesh, rather than calling you and I to repentance to true faith in Jesus. These will be preachers who are all about itching ears, who will, be, who, who, will, who will people accumulate for themselves, because they will be saying things that they, we want to hear, rather than what the Bible says. All of these things is spiritual deception. And all of these things we are told will be accompanied by many signs and wonders conjured up by the Antichrist and these demonic minions. Let's read on verse 22. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. I just want to underline a point here that Jesus does not say these signs and wonders will be fake. It's important you understand that. These are most likely counterfeit signs and wonders. They're not necessarily uh, what I mean by that. They are counterfeit signs and wonders done by satanic power to mimic Jesus. So to that degree, they are fake, right? But it's important we understand that Jesus is, doesn't mean here like sort of uh, people like Peter Popov and this fake miracle spring water. <laughs> That's not what Jesus is talking about. These will be like James and Jambres with real satanic powers. The Antichrist is a man empowered by Satan to do supernatural things. And you will fill his mini Antichrist with his demonic spirit to do wonders. There will be miracles, I'm telling you, you not know the sort of stuff you see on television of a man sort of have uh, you know, sort of a passport come out of his shoe. I don't mean that. Not those sorts of things. There will be miracles, real miracles, we might say. Demonic miracles. That is why Jesus actually says, did you notice what Jesus says? They will perform such signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. The elect cannot be led astray. But Jesus is underlining that these signs and wonders will be of such strength of campaign by Satan that it would take God's supernatural power to keep you from being led astray. You may well see a man walk on water, really. And you must start wondering, could that really be Jesus? Could that really be Jesus? That's the strength of the campaign we are talking about. And Jesus is warning us here to be, to be on guard. He says, I have told you all things beforehand. Do not believe it. Jesus is warning us that the tribulation will lead to the most dangerous evil deception that the world and the church has ever witnessed. That's the point I just wanted to share with you this morning from this passage. Now of course, we might ask, well we are not yet in the great tribulation. Remember, things are getting worse moving us forward today, but we are not yet there. So what does Jesus expects us to do with this information? That's a question we've been asking as we've been going through Mark. And it's an important question to ask whenever you come across these passages in the scriptures that sometimes are quite difficult for us to get ahead around. The key important question is: What does Jesus expect us to do with the information? Well, thankfully, the answer is in verse twenty-three. Look at verse twenty-three. But be on be on guard. I have told you before. I've told you all things beforehand. In other words, Jesus wants all his true followers to be on guard to watch out for the spiritual deception. Now, now, notice what Jesus doesn't say here. Jesus doesn't so say, wait until you enter the tribulation. He says, watch out now. Why now? Because Jesus has already told us that spiritual deception is already here. And it's getting worse. Do you remember when we looked at Mark 13, verse 5 to 6? Remember that if you just glance over verse 5 to 6 in Mark 13 there. Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, I am he, and they will lead many astray. Do you remember what we said about that verse? We said that part of, the, of Mark 13 is actually referring to events that would take place before AD 70. But later on in verse 8, Jesus reminds us that whatever is happening in verse 5 to verse 7, these are the beginning of the birth pains. And we made that point that the big truth throughout Mark 13 is that The world is getting worse and worse. It will get worse and worse before Jesus appears. And these, therefore, we can expect the false Christ and false prophets that Jesus now talks about in verse 22 to be present now. Not to the same degree of scale, but we'll see more and more and more of them beginning in our lifetime. Well, beginning at D70, really. Yeah? And the Apostle John confirms this does not it he confirms for us that the spirit of antichrist is a dangerous spirit of deception that is already at work in the world look at 1 John 4 verse 1 to 3 for you to, if you just glance over that you're able to find it 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 to 3 says this we looked at 1 John chapter 2 last time but in verse 18 to 23 but actually 1 John 4 verse 1 to 3 also makes the same point as 1 John 2 verse 18 to 23. 1 John 4 1 to 3 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. That is to say, do not believe e- behind every teaching there is a spirit. Behind every teaching. Even this sermon there is a spirit behind it. The question is, is the spirit behind the sermon the spirit of God or the spirit of the Antichrist? That's the issue. And Jesus says this, John says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, do not believe every teaching. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. But by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you, have, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So flip back to Mark 13. Jesus, John and Jesus are saying the same thing. They are saying we are living in the edge of spiritual deception already. And Jesus is saying we must watch out against any counterfeit Jesus is. But be on guard. Watch out. For counterfeit Jesus. I have told you all things beforehand. You see, there are many people out there who are trying to offer you, even as you sit here, even now, a different Jesus, a counterfeit Jesus, instead of the real Jesus of the Bible. And Jesus says, Watch out. Now, I don't have the whole day to give you examples of counterfeit Jesus, just a few for you this morning to think about as you think about applying this text. For example, Jesus is saying this morning, watch out for the prosperity Jesus. The Jesus who is all about enlarging your financial who is all about enlarging your pockets. Watch out for a Jesus who's all about giving you material and financial breakthroughs. This first Jesus is not a person really, he is a spiritual vending machine that you can manipulate with your faith to give you what you want. Watch out for Prosperity Jesus. You see, the problem with Prosperity Jesus is that, as Larry found out, Prosperity Jesus is very cruel. He preys on the poor by collecting their money. He can never deliver because his ministries are Ponzi schemes. He brings only endless heartache, disappointment, and ruin Jesus says watch out for for prosperity Jesus you see the real Jesus does not promise to give you financial success to be his true disciples you must die to self if any man come after me he says let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me that's the real Jesus To be his true disciples, you must die to self. The real Jesus says through Peter in 1 Peter 2 verse 21, he says this, To this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. The real Jesus says the calling on your life is a calling to suffer for me, not to be financially rich. So watch out for prosperity, Jesus. Jesus. Watch out also against justice warrior Jesus. Justice warrior Jesus. This is the Jesus of critical race theory and intersectionality. This is the Jesus for the oppressed. This Jesus is anti-capitalist. This Jesus is a feminist. He's, a, he's, he's anti-white male, this Jesus. He's quite popular now, isn't it? And we can see him going around, especially this past week, dressed Perhaps in a rainbow flag. This Jesus says he has come to to liberate us from patriarchy. And he uses selective stories from the gospel and the Bible to make his case. Watch out for justice warrior Jesus. You see, the real Jesus does love women. He does stand with the poor. We've seen him in the gospel. And he does care about the marginalised. But he does deal with all of these issues by dealing with the fundamental problem in our life, which is sin. He comes to liberate us from sin through his death on the cross. The real Jesus says, "Your biggest problem is not lack of empowerment; it is that you are a sinner, at war with God." The real Jesus has not come to improve humanity; quite the opposite. He has come to create a new spiritual race of people fashioned in the image of the second Adam. The real Jesus has not come to do this through institutional change. No, he has come to live, die, rise, ascend, and then come back to reign with us forever. Watch out for justice warrior Jesus. He's a false Jesus. Jesus says, also, he will be telling us, watch out for the Dr. feel Jesus. This counterfeit Jesus is a sort of tough-talking dispenser of therapeutic advice for all your problems in life. This is the opera Jesus, isn't it? This false Jesus is all about fixing your marriage, fixing your singleness. He's all about shaping you up for your next job interview. He's all about ensuring all your kids make it Become the best at school. See, this Jesus is all about solving your problem. He never deals with your sin. He's all about just making you feel good. There is nothing about this Jesus, about you denying yourself, putting the kingdom of God first. No, this Jesus is not calling you to sacrifice your desires. He's there to quote you happy. You see, that is a false Jesus. Jesus. And this Jesus is very present in the church, isn't it? The Dr. Phil Jesus. We come to church with our shopping list of problems and we want church to meet that. This is the consumer Jesus, we might even call him. The real Jesus is not a means to your end. The real Jesus has come to call you to die, to sell. The real Jesus says, you must put me ahead of your wife. He says, you must put me ahead of your husband. You must put me ahead of your family. You must put me ahead of your children even. Ahead of all the things in this world. He says, I must be first. The real Jesus does care about your problem. He does say, in this world you have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The real Jesus does say, I am there with you even to the end of the age. Amen. He does care about your exam results. He does care about you having a career. He does want you to have a good family. But he says, I must be first in your life. That's the real Jesus. Watch out also, isn't it? We could be here all day, but let me give you a final Jesus. Watch out for the post-church Jesus. The post-church Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, this first Jesus allows you to worship him without committing yourself to a local church. He's very common. He's all over the internet. He likes to say to us, you do not need to be part of a church, just taking YouTube sermons. He says, you can be a church at home with your husband and kids, that's all. This is all you need. The real Jesus, of course, doesn't offer his followers the option of following him without being truly part of a a local church. He doesn't offer that option. When the real Jesus makes you born again, he declares you righteous, and at the same time, he adopts you into his new family, the church. And because you have a new spiritual nature he produces within you a yearning to identify with the local family of believers who love you and nurture you in Jesus. So this real Jesus gives you a desire to be baptized. He says, be baptized because it's good for you. This real Jesus says, be a member of a local church so you, you can use the gifts that I've given you. This real Jesus has, it says, discipleship and spiritual growth will only come by you being committed to my local people. You see, the real Jesus loves his bride and offers no discipleship outside the local church. And he wants you and I to belong to his local church. That's just four flavors of counterfeit Jesus' out there. There are many false versions of Jesuses out there. We don't have time to go through all of them. But the idea, the truth is clear, isn't it? Our Lord Jesus is warning all of us here this morning to stay away from false Christs. That's his message. He says, Watch out. He's saying to us, Do not be led astray by the spiritual deception of the Antichrist. Stay away from it. Keep yourself focused on the real Jesus. Now, in order for you and I not to be led astray by these false versions of Jesus, we need to know the real Jesus intimately for ourselves, don't we? Because how else are we going to spot the false Jesus? If I gave... look, If I gave you a fake one-pound coin, you will immediately know it's fake. Why are you going to know it's fake? Because you've seen one before. You use it every day. You know a pound coin intimately. But if I took the seven-pound coin and gave it to one of my relatives in the village in Chelenge in Zambia, they won't know what it is. They won't know the difference in the village where I come from between a pound coin, a real one, and a fake one. Because they're not familiar with, with pound coins. Do you see? For us to know the real, what is fake Jesus, <laughs> false versions of Jesus, we must be really acquainted with the real Jesus. And in fact, the people who um, sport counterfeit money spend a lot of time handling real money. That's how you get trained in sporting counterfeit money. You get trained to handle real money all the time you're feeling it. So you can know that when you, even with your eyes closed, no, this is not real. Because you're so acquainted with the real thing. It's the same thing for us. If we're going to know the first, the false versions of Jesus, if we're going to be kept from the spirit of deception, We must know this Jesus, the real Jesus of the Bible very well. And so the question for you this morning is this, do you know the real Jesus? How do you know you have a genuine relationship with the real Jesus? How do you know your life is built around the real Jesus? Well, the only way for you to know that is to check what is in the Bible. And in the book of Mark, we are told what true faith looks like. Flick over to chapter 8, verse 34 to 36. It's the final scripture. I just want to remind you about what real faith. We've touched on this already. We keep coming back to this scripture because this scripture is about the real Jesus and what real faith looks like. Mark 8, verse 34 to 36. It says this. Remember what Jesus says? And calling the crowd to him. This is real faith. This is real Jesus. Calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, if anyone, no exception, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. The real Jesus is saying, faith in him is surrendering your life to him. It is you giving up your freedom and your rights to run your own life. It is you saying to Jesus, I am a sinner. I do not deserve to be in your life. But I, am, I, you don't deserve, you don't deserve, I don't deserve you to be in my life, to say that to Jesus. But I am asking you to forgive me of my sin based on your death on the cross for me. I am asking you to forgive my past sins, my present sin, and my future sin. I am surrendering all of my life to you. I am resigning, running my life. I want all my life now to revolve around you. I want you to make the decisions for me. I am all yours. That's what real faith in Jesus looks like. That is what it means to be a true Christian following the real Jesus. That is a true Christian. All other versions... False, fake versions. And the question we all of us here have to ask ourselves, regardless of how old or young we are, is: Remember, there is spiritual deception. Yes, you've heard many sermons, but it comes down to that verse, doesn't it? That verse is in the Bible. And the question is this: Are you a true Christian who follows this real Jesus of Mark eight, verse thirty-four to thirty-six? That's the question. Are you or are you not? And therefore, the answer for us here is that if you have not truly surrendered to this real Jesus, then you must do it today. Let Jesus have your heart. Let our loving Jesus give you a new start. Come to him in true repentance. Have the real Jesus. And a real faith in him. And if you're a true follower of Jesus, what are you supposed to do this morning? Well, he wants you to keep watching out for false Christs and false prophets. Because you know you are tempted, even as a Christian, to craft a Jesus in your own image. We all are, even as true believers. And Jesus is saying the only way you are going to make sure you are growing as a true Christian and you are not led astray by all these false versions of Jesus, is to know his word. Look at verse 23 of Mark 13 there, it says, but be on guard, I have told you all things before and. Jesus is saying, keep your focus on my word. And I think it means not just the words in Mark 13, but the entire Word of God. The whole Bible is Jesus' words. It says, be on guard, watch out, and watch out by knowing my Word. Ah, you have the Word of God. The Word of God is the only way for you to know Jesus. You cannot know Jesus intimately, who he is, without growing in the Word. Yes, He makes you born again, yes. But once you're born again, how do you get to know Him more and more? By being in the Word. By handling. We handle Jesus as 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 those who detect counterfeits and handle real money. We need to be handling Jesus all the time. By handling His Word. To get acquainted with Him. You see, throughout the Bible, we see that all who walk with God hungered for the living Word. We see that throughout the Psalms, isn't it? The Psalms tell us, your word is a lump to my feet. We have a whole Psalm 109, 119 just dedicated to speaking about the wonder of the scripture. There is no spiritual giant in the Bible who, who didn't know the scripture very well. And we see this hunger for the word of God in the life of our Lord Jesus. Jesus survived the wilderness feeding on the word of God. We read the New Testament, we see Paul knew the word of God. We've been going through 2 Peter, we see Peter reminding us the word of God is what we need. He knew the scriptures. That's why the New Testament and the Bible as a whole hangs together very well, because those who wrote the New Testament knew the Old Testament very well. We see this hunger for the word of God, not just in the life of Jesus, not just in the life of the apostles, but the hunger for the word is the mark of all true saints in church history. Oh beloved, the word of God is a sword which John Chrysostom carried to his pulpit. It is the mirror which Luther looked into and saw that he can only enter heaven by faith alone. The word of God was the seed of faith that fed Shannok and Sibes, another Puritan. It is the milk which nourished Whitfield and Wesley into spiritual giants of their time. The word of God was a fire that burned in the bones of Robert Murray McShane in Dundee. It is the hammer that shattered the hard rocks of unbelief in the hearts of those who heard Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones preach at Westminster Chapel. And it is the lamp that is burning brightly among our brothers and sisters in the persecuted world. Are you not amazed at what the Christians in China were crying for all those years is to have the Bible in their language? Are you not amazed that Brother Lawrence was smuggling those Bibles behind the curtain, the iron curtain? Why? Because the Word of God is the way we handle the real Jesus. So this morning, beloved, commit to reading and listen to the Word of God daily. Do not be content to simply read it at once in church on a Sunday. When you come to fellowship and you hear the Bible preached this morning, commit yourself to listen with a desire and hunger to know Jesus. Come this morning prepared to listen to the word by structuring your Saturdays in such a way that you are coming alert to listen, not sleepy. I mean, of course, I, I I understand it's hard to listen to me. But to listen to Jesus demands more, doesn't it? To listen to man, you can fall asleep. But to listen to Jesus, you cannot fall asleep. Because people died to bring this word to us. When you pray, pray that you grow in such a way in your life, that you can arrange your life in such a way, that you take opportunities available in the church to study the Bible together. Not just on Sunday, but through midweek. And ask God to help you love his word. As I said, because it is only his word by which you grow to know the real Jesus. And avoid spiritual deception. We have learned the dawn of Antichrist will bring great spiritual deception. But spiritual deception is already here. How then do we keep ourselves in the love of God? By knowing the real Jesus. Handling his word. Amen.